This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Eight points clear and soaring free at the top of the Premier League. Next up for the Reds is a trip to Sellers Park to play Crystal Palace. I'm Guy Clark and this is Behind Enemy Lines on Blood Red as we preview Liverpool's next opponents. Coming up then over the next 20 minutes, we'll be talking all things Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace. From the expectations down at Sellers Park to what threats they may pose and just why Wilfred Zaha has gone off the boil. All bases will be covered and joining us to talk through all of that and more is the Evening Standard sports reporter Jack Rosser. Jack, thanks for your time. And first things first is how are things going down at Crystal Palace this year? Yeah, they they've been quite a, an interesting side to follow so far this season. They um their first game of the season against Everton, they sort of looked looked a bit doomed and everything was was a bit a bit miserable sort of going forward a nil nil draw at home. But then from there, they they've had a really good start to the season, a really bright start to the season. They obviously. One really late on away to uh, Manchester United at Old Trafford, um, which was quite quite an exhilarating game to go and cover. And then um, they beat West Ham as well in a London derby, and, and were sort of you know pushing the, the top six for a while before they went on this run, which ends this weekend against Liverpool. You know they they faced, I think, four or five of the the traditional top six, and and then Leicester thrown in there as well, get crashing their way in this season. So. That's hindered them a bit, but especially at home, they've they've been as they always have been under Hodgson, extremely well regimented and and happy to try and pick off some scalps. Yeah, and, and looking at I suppose the recent form, you mentioned the sides they've come up against. The last four, no win in it since obviously the previous international break, but playing the likes of Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal, and Man City in a row. I suppose any t- any side in the Premier League are going to find that difficult. Exactly, yeah. I mean, they, they, they took a point at the Emirates, which, you know, however Arsenal are playing is always a, a good place to come away with a point from. Um, Chelsea, they weren't awful. There was just a sort of sense of we're probably going to lose this one. But, you know, you, you look at that run of games and, and Hodgson was always very careful going into it. You know, when when they were sat in sixth and, and people were talking them up for maybe having to be included of, in that bracket of teams such as Leicester, um, that... The, the games coming up would be where they sort of find their their, their position this season. They had a, a fairly kind run that, that they picked up a fair few points. And the Leicester games, perhaps the one where they were disappointed being at home, they didn't really give it a go and, and almost accepted from the off that, that Leicester were going to control that game. But yeah, it's a run of games that, that every side, no matter how good they are, is, is going to struggle in. Yeah, and just looking at the, the Premier League table, 12th place, four wins from... 12 games played, but how the league is this season, two points off, fifth place Sheffield United, who thought would be saying that they'd be sitting fifth, but yes. seven points above 18th place Watford. And I suppose for Palace, ahead of the sort of pre-season predictions and everything, always being above that dotted line is probably the first objective. Yeah, they, they don't hide away from the fact that every season they start out looking to stay in the division. It's, it's a huge part of of what they, they want to do as a club. They've announced plans for the academy and the stadium, which obviously costs a lot of money. And, and to spend that sort of money, you need to be in the Premier League. So they, they, they're they never going to shy away from the fact that their first goal is to stay in the division. But they are they have got one eye on, on progression, you know, starting to sign maybe a different calibre of player, maybe spend a little bit more money if, if they get it. Um, but yes, you know... I think they'll be comfortably above the relegation zone this season, but that is always their target going into the campaign. 
It seems to be the feeling now that Palace have sort of established themselves as one of the Premier League sides. Seventh year, I think it is, back in the Premier League. The last times it had always been sort of Palace would come up and go straight back down, but they do seem to be settled as one of the Premier League's 20 clubs now. Yeah, it's their seventh consecutive year and, and Roy Hodgson's got quite a lot to do with that, really. I mean, he wasn't responsible for the, the ones previous, but they went through a sort of, you know, the usual the usual merry-go-round of, of managers to, to sort of keep that ticking over. Tried something with Frank DeBoer that went horribly wrong. And this has been the, the best period of stability Palace have had, certainly since since Steve Parrish came in um, almost a decade ago. It's it's yeah, it's been quite remarkable the way they managed to keep taking over. It gets harder and harder for a club the size of Palace to to maintain their status in, in the Premier League when you've got clubs coming up like Fulham the year before, like Aston Villa this year, that have a smaller wage bill than Palace because they've not been there for a while and, and have that money to spend and, and the enthusiasm. So to keep that ticking over has been their biggest achievement, really. Yeah, and talking of Roy Hodgson there, of course, nine years or so ago, he was the manager of Liverpool. It didn't go well for him there, but 72 years of age, he's still going. And as you say, I suppose his boyhood club, Crystal Palace, things seem to fit really nicely there. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are, there, are, there are a few at Palace who have reservations about Hodgson and, and the way he likes to play football. But for what they need as a club, he's he's been brilliant. And like you say, 72 years old, he's the oldest manager to ever manage in the Premier League. And it's not something he, he likes to talk about. He often shies away from it if anyone brings that up or, or throws back, you know, a bit of a statistic at them. But... His his sort of passion for the job is is still clear to see, even after being in management for you know for decades. It's it's quite amazing how he keeps going every day, and the players are all all you know enthralled by him and and fully supportive of him as well. Which which to have that connection to a group of a group of players fifty years your senior your junior sorry is is quite impressive. Does he fit quite well with what sort of Palace try and do there, I suppose, as a club, sort of defying the odds each year and coming back when perhaps people think Palace could get relegated or Hodgson might be finished? Because obviously he had the time with Liverpool that didn't go well. England ended as that did. Yeah, everyone at Palace sort of thrives off that, really, that underdog status. I mean, you just have to look at some of the results they've picked up, you know, on their travels, Man City, um... Manchester United, Liverpool, although I think that was under Sam Allardyce, but they they really relish that tag of the underdog, and and it sits well with Hodgson. I think that that he's had this chance to come back in into management after after England, and and you know make a real point that he can still do it. He's he's one of the best managers tactically in in the division in terms of getting his his plan across to his players. There's, there's never one position they're in where they don't know exactly what they should be doing and it's something that's drilled into them day in day out yeah and I suppose so, uh, oh, sorry I was going to say I suppose Wolf Zaha aside there's not really a superstar in that Crystal Palace team on paper but Hodgson does make them more than the sum of their parts yeah certainly and I think you know you, you only need to look at someone like Luka Milivojevic to do that who's who's a, a very good footballer a solid Premier League footballer but is does extraordinary things to that Palace side he's so important to the what to what they do takes their penalties as well so he's been top scorer for the last two seasons at Palace which maybe says something about their front line but 
the fact they're managing to have a strong season with, you know, Jordan Ayew and Christian Benteke being their two options up front. They've got Joel Ward and Pat, Patrick Van Arnholt and no other fullbacks, and, and and they're still managing to to get results and and punch above their weight, which is something that that Hodgson really brings. He brings the ability to to drag that bit more out of the squad, especially when they they're not spending a lot of money. And I think I saw it right with, I think it was an interview with Sky Sports or even in a press conference that got mentioned that even at 72 now though, that Roy Hodgson has been speaking tentatively with the chairman, Steve Parrish, about even extending his contract beyond the end of this season. Yeah, no, it's more more than speaking tentatively. They're, they're well on their way to agreeing something. They all seem fairly confident that, that he's going to extend his stay, which is something that not many people saw coming at the start of the season. It had sort of been accepted that this would probably be it and if they can stay in the Premier League and, and put a good season together then maybe they go for a, a, another more progressive type but they're all seemingly very happy with, with what he's done and, and have very good reason to be so no you, you'd expect that to be announced fairly soon really Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel Jack, if we can talk about a few of the, the individuals, sort of highlighted Wilf Zaha before, but this season so far, of course, through the summer, so much was spoken about his future and whether that be away from Selhurst Park. But after 13 games this season, he's yet to score a goal. I mean, what's quite happened with him? Obviously, the links heavily in the summer with Everton. It, that move never came off and he doesn't seem to have quite been back at the standards he's been the last two seasons. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, certainly. I think there's been a real disappointment uh, uh, what has happened. You know, he made his his desire to leave the club very public. You know, even before the end of last season, he did an interview saying that that he wanted to play in the Champions League and and you know was sort of ready to to leave Palace behind. And that was widely accepted that that was what what was going to happen over the summer. So for it to take so long and drag on and get to the point where he hands in a transfer request and and Everton are the only club really interested, but they're not offering any anything near what, what the club would accept. It, it all left a bit of an awkward situation, so he didn't train for a couple of days, and he'd also been away at the, the Cup of Nations, so he didn't have anything of a pre-season, but it's still not really clicked. There were a couple of games where you saw him and, and you sort of thought, right, he's finding his feet again, starting to be that that dangerous threat again, but it's just really not not got going so far this season, which... Again, everyone in the Palace boardroom at the club has, has accepted that when the right offer comes along, they, they'd be holding him back if they didn't accept it and, and take you know 80 to 100 million in. But his performances make it harder for that, that offer to come along, really. And he's the kind of guy, I suppose, who really thrives off being the, the hometown hero there in front of the home crowd. But as you say, it's not sort of pieced together for him this year. I know a lot of talk in the summer probably externally with VAR coming in was, hey, this guy might win a few penalties and Milivojevic might put a few more away. But that doesn't even seem to have been in his favour either, does it? No, he's he's been playing in, in a slightly different position this year as well. He's, Andros Townsend dropped out of the side fairly on in the season. And um, it just, that which meant Wilf was moved over to the right-hand side, which is where he, he's not really quite as big a threat, um, if I'm honest. He's, he's much better being able to cut inside and run at people down the left, which is where he wins a lot of those penalties. So that also hasn't really helped his performances so far this season. Where do the threats come from in this Palace side? Because they've not scored all too many goals. I think only Watford have scored less than Palace this season. But 
Van Aanholt as a fullback always seems to be a guy who can pose a threat. And Joel Ward seems to have slotted in for Wan Bissaka this year at right back. Yeah, Joel, Joel Ward's done well, you know, having had that time out. And, and Van Aanholt, you're right, does like to get forward. But it's, it, is, it is on the counter. It's through how quickly they can they can move that ball forward and, and get it into the strikers and, and win set pieces and and penalties and, and create goal-scoring chances on the break. They're, they're real big asset is how good they are at the back and Gary Cahill coming in from Chelsea has, has been huge to that so they they start from from the point of every game not not just games against the likes of City and Liverpool they start for every game with with the defence and, and then look to build from there really which which is where a few frustrations come from with Palace fans over Hodgson and the way he likes to play but when it works for them it's it's quite hard to argue against it. Is that especially at home? Because said they don't score many goals, but the home form, you sort of alluded to it right at the start, that the home form under Hodgson hasn't always been the best and picked up some massive results away from home. Even think of the one at Old Trafford earlier this season. But at home, perhaps they they aren't as expansive as maybe the fans would like. And the home backing there is obviously fantastic. Um, yeah, the, the, it's a funny one, the, the home form. I mean, it is Hodgson's first season. It was... It was terrific when he came in and and replaced Frank De Boer. But it's it playing away from home is what suits their style. The, the, the setting up on the break and and countering quickly and and not having that pressure to go out and play, which which when you're playing at home against you know an Aston Villa or a Wolves or something, there is that expectation that you go out and dominate the game. But you'd like to think the games against the top six, there wouldn't be those frustrations there when. When Liverpool come this weekend, there's no pressure on Palace to go out and control the game and and really dominate proceedings. So that might play into their hands and and the homes that the, you know the the home support it, it, they can be one of the the best in the country if if they get going if, if the performance on the pitch gets them going. You know that it's it's quite an asset to Palace the the support at Sellers Park. We've spoke about Wilf Zaha, but also the other I suppose enigma in the team is former Liverpool forward Christian Benteke because he doesn't seem to be able to score for love nor money for Crystal Palace these days. No, it's, um, it's sort of got to the point where it's beyond funny what's happened to Benteke and it, it, it's a real shame. Everyone at the club is is well aware of the problems, the confidence. You know, he, He's had a couple of one-on-ones this season when, when he has been involved that have just ended up going straight to the keeper. So the confidence is completely shot. I think the one defence you could you could make of him is that the style of football doesn't perhaps suit him. You know, when you've got, when Townsend and Zaha both play, you've got two wingers there that cut inside and, and try and run at the back four as, as opposed to crossing it and, and teeing it up, which is how he scored most of his 17 uh, odd goals in his first season at Palace. But since then, the, the crosses don't seem to be there too much. Um, but that, that can't be the only excuse. The, the confidence in Benteke is, is completely shot, which which has opened the pathway for Jordan Ayew to come in and and make that spot his own, really. And Jordan Ayew scored a few goals here and there, but he's he's no cold blooded striker, no cold blooded finisher. So that's you know it's it's not really good news for Benteke. And as as Benteke sort of proved to Palace that even going out and spending big bucks, I think it was thirty million or so they they paid on him that that doesn't always perhaps work for them because obviously they bought him and Sacco from Liverpool at the time but since then there seems to have been a bit of a tightening of the belts Yeah I, th- I think the, the big spending thing doesn't really suit Palace they, you know they, they 
they readily admit that that they can't compete financially with with a lot of teams in the league, given the the size of the stadium and, and where they are. You know, they've got they've got a lot of clubs to compete with in London um, for, for you know fans' attention and for fans' money. But um, it's it's a shame what what has happened with Benteke, but they certainly wouldn't go out and do that. You know, there's a a real problem with him in that he's on you know more than a hundred thousand pounds a week and the amount they've the amount of money they spent on him in the first place, the amount of money they spent on him six is, is what led to him getting a new contract this year. You know, he's, he's scored four four goals in 60-odd appearances. I think the stat is for Palace and, and he's handed a contract extension merely to protect his value because they they can't really afford to, to let a player that they've put that much money into leave on a free at the end of the season, which I think, you know, that now plays on their mind when they go and, and are asked for, for, you know, something upwards of, of 10, 15 million even for a player that that it could leave them in this situation a couple of years down the line. Yeah, it seems to uh, to all make sense of that. But in terms of something Palace have relied on through the years, is that academy, that youth conveyor belt approach they've almost seemed to have had from Victor Moses to Wan-Bissaka last year. But at the moment, I mean, you'll know better than I, who's the next one that Palace fans or Palace fans should be getting excited about, but other teams should perhaps be wary of. There aren't there aren't too many coming through the academy at the moment, really. And I, and I, people within Palace are sort of readily, you know, free to admit that and, and quite happy to admit that. But I think the one thing they can get excited about is is the twenty million that that Steve Parrish is is committed to spending on the academy and and really developing that side. They're not they're not a category one academy yet, which means they often lose some of the best players, you know, in South London to Chelsea's, Tottenham's and Arsenal's. You you look at the long list of, of even just England players that have come through the the ranks and, and are from South London and aside from Aaron Wan-Bissaka, not one of them has, has come through Crystal Palace. So it's really the, the sort of excitement from the academy side is, is what they'll be able to tap into once this, this redevelopment's completed. So is that just it's a sort of longer game approach in developing young players, but yeah, yeah. they need to now build on the academy itself. Yeah, so they're they're overhauling and you know they bought the they had previously had to share the site they didn't own the academy training ground so they've they've bought the lease to that and and have unveiled you know plans to to ramp up the facilities to to something that's almost unrecognisable from from where they train now which which is is the one thing to to sort of really look forward to with that academy. We're talking of the game itself then, Jack, just to, to round things off. And Liverpool have had a good recent record down at Sellers Park and won on, on a number of the last sort of visits down there, including the 2-0 win last year. For Palace, you've sort of alluded to it'll be a counter and contain exercise from Roy Hodgson. But I suppose that is what Palace are best at doing in this game in many ways, whilst it might be a bit of a free hit, might suit Palace, might it? Yeah, so it certainly will suit Palace. That, that you know the the fact that they can go in with with very little pressure. No one expects them to get anything from the game, regardless of the fact that that, that it's at home. There's no pressure to go out and play, which is when they they tend to sort of you know turn up. It's it's probably the frustration that they don't do that against every side that that sort of sticks with with Hodgson. But it's one that that they'll they'll relish and and really be keen to take on. Whether they can do that is is a whole sort of different conversation but they'll certainly be up for trying and obviously after I suppose a bit of the doom and gloom in the early weeks of the season it seems to be 
from speaking to you, a bit of a happy camp down there that most fans probably expecting at least another year of Premier League football. Yeah, certainly. They're, you know, the, the eyes are more on finishing in the top 10 than, than looking over their shoulder and, and worrying about you know, going down this season. So it's, it's all quite encouraging for Palace this season. Well, Jack, enjoy the game. Really appreciate you talking to us and uh, taking the time to speak to us here on Blood Red. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. Jack Rosser, Evening Standard Sports reporter here on Blood Red, giving us the lowdown on Crystal Palace. Well, don't forget, we'll be back later with post-game, bringing you all the reaction that you need from the game. And you can keep across all the match action, of course, on the Liverpool Echo this afternoon. Thanks for your company, though. And until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.